175 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to retype your entire resume after you've already uploaded it. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about playing physical board games from afar. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, Hunt a Killer, Body on the Boardwalk, and Artisans of Splendidvale. Then, we talk about ways that you can play a board game remotely with your friends and family. And now, here are your hosts, Andy and Crystal. We have an announcement before we hop into the main episode. And I'm not even going to say it's a quick little announcement because it's a really exciting announcement. And that is, we have officially launched our brand new Kofi page. And we are so excited about it. For those of you who don't know what Kofi is, it is a website where creators like us can, you can buy us a coffee, basically, is what Kofi is all about. And we have set up some really cool membership tiers on our Kofi page that you can support for as little as $2 a month. And there are tiers that are above that. Lots of really cool benefits that you can get, including access to a Kofi supporter exclusive Discord channel in the Blitz Discord, the chance to join us on a live Twitch stream, and everything in between. So please head over to ko-fi, that's ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz to check it out. We will be closing down our Patreon page. This is going to replace our Patreon. So if you have been one of our very amazing, loyal Patreon supporters for the past few years, please know that we love you so much and we really hope that you will choose to come over to our new co page. But yeah, we know that we may lose some people in the transition. So please feel free to spread the word and tell all of your Blitzketeer friends that they can now support us monetarily if they so choose at ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz. Recently, we both got a review copy of Hunt a Killer Body on the Boardwalk, which is published by Hunt a Killer. This is a murder mystery type game. So Hunt a Killer is a company that makes a lot of murder mystery games. They're all single play. And I talked about one of them before on the podcast in episode 137, Murder at the Motel. So this one is Body on the Boardwalk. As if you can tell by the title, these are about murders. Yes, so obviously (laughs) this is not child-friendly material. There wasn't anything particularly gruesome in, but obviously the the subject matter is, 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 yeah, yeah. mature. (laughs) (laughs) But you're a detective, well, I think you're like a private investigator or something and you're helping solve this case. But in the box, there's a lot of different files. There's like a letter, there's a box that has a lock on it, like physical objects and photographs, letters, different things. And then you're going through finding codes. And then there's like the tin box that has a lock on it. And you have to find the code for that lock. And then it has more clues in there. And so you're trying to like identify the suspect of a case based on other people's alibis and stuff. So I talked about it, the other one, um, Murder at the Motel. And I said, I really liked it. I think it's like one of my favorite murder mystery like of this type of genre where it's like the murder detective game with different types of photographs and stuff I don't know what that is called but (laughs) that type of game I like this a lot because it has 
the physical components and like the bonus surprise after opening the case because you get like you you read through the the first part and then you solve a little puzzle and then you get to open up more stuff it's like ooh oh okay <laughs> it, Which, it really yeah. i i would liken the components mm-hmm. of this one to we've talked previously about the stuff made by bluefish games like the curious mm-hmm. stares of mr hinks where yeah. we talked about how the components were kind of printed in a way like they don't just feel like generic things printed onto normal printer paper. They feel mm-hmm. more genuine. Like the photograph feels yeah. like a photograph and yeah, they yeah. have in this one, this is not a spoiler. It's one of the main components you get right off the bat, but it's like it, it, it's intended to look like a flattened popcorn bag from a fair. Mm-hmm. And like they make those things look and feel you know, as realistic as they can. Mm. And I think it really adds to the immersion of like going through these pieces and parts like, oh, there's a napkin in here. And that it's a napkin. Yeah. It's an actual napkin. <laughs> with, like it looks like it's yeah. been written on. Although I guess they were too new looking. <laughs> they were a little, yeah, a little new looking, but. <laughs> that, that, that was the, the ruining <laughs> the immersion. It looked too nice. <laughs> I'll say that for me, while I love escape rooms, murder mm-hmm. mystery like in general as a genre is not Mm -hmm. something that I enjoy as much as you do. Mm -hmm. And I played this one solo and I struggled with some of the clues and puzzles that like Mm -hmm. I needed to do. And I think if I had had, you know, a second person with me to kind of bounce things off of, it would have been a little easier. But what's nice is they actually do have a hint system that you can utilize on their website. They give you a URL and a code Mm -hmm. to put in and then you can get non- solution-based hints for Mm -hmm. each of the like components in the box and puzzles and so that was helpful for me just Mm -hmm. to kind of help get me going in the right direction when I was a little bit lost yeah and then the hints also confirm when you think you've solved the case you can you can read through that (laughs) to make sure yeah there's a solution envelope Mm -hmm. that has the answers in it Mm -hmm. and you can also look up the solution on the website as well Mm -hmm. I think this was really well made really well produced the story was interesting you can tell a lot of thought and care was put into the creation of this box yeah oh and like other than the hint system you don't need the internet for anything correct it's all contained within the box so which is what I like I like ones that are contained within the box usually. Um, I don't really like having to Google things normally. Sometimes it's okay, but like most of the times I, I just want it contained in the box because then it's like the board game part. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess when, when I do like physical escape rooms, it's they don't want you on your phone, right? It's, it's all contained within the room. So I like things like that. Yeah. I, I don't remember enough about Murder at the Motel to be able to compare Body on the Boardwalk to that. So I don't know which is better, but I liked both of them a lot. I mean, that speaks well for the system, right? It seems yeah. like the people at Hunt a Killer have kind mm-hmm. of got their formula down and they, they know what they're doing. So yeah. if you are a person who enjoys murder mysteries, whether that's in book form or otherwise, I would definitely take a look at this series because they, they're making some pretty cool little games here. Mm-hmm. The next game that I'm going to talk about, I am so excited to tell you all about. It is one that I backed on Kickstarter literally as soon as it launched. And I got my copy in the mail here just a few weeks ago. And that is Artisans of Splendent Vale, made by Renegade Game Studios and designed by Nikki Valens. And I don't know if y'all remember, but I love Nikki Valens, particularly when they create narrative adventures a la Legacy of Dragonhold. Nikki previously worked for Fantasy Flight Games and Legacy of Dragonhold is one of my favorite gaming experiences of all time. Artisans of Splendid Vale, I mean, for lack of a better description, it's like Legacy of Dragonhold, but on 
all of the steroids. It is the, the you know, narrative RPG-esque, choose your own adventure, also a board game, also all of the things. The game comes with a storybook similar to the way Plaid Hat Games does stuff, where you flip different pages and each page is basically kind of a scenario. They are called action scenes in this game. And what you do is every character has their own book, like an entire giant book. And based on how many players you have, anywhere between two and four, each player takes their character's book and then you choose one person to be the main narrator, but everyone has to read different parts of things in their books and you go to different entries in your book based on where it tells you to go. And then you have a map and you have an adventure log. You're writing down notes in both your character sheet and in the general adventure log for the entire group. And we've played through now... Who gosh, how many sessions? The way the game's broken out, it's into days. So each day basically is what you could consider to be a session of sorts that lasts between like an hour and two hours. And we've played probably eight or nine at this point sessions. And I cannot tell you how much I love this game. <laughs> it is exactly what I wanted it to be. It is well-written, emotional, dramatic, evocative, to the point where we have had multiple moments where like the emotions got so deep that like it was almost like like really like sad feeling and where we were laughing out loud uncontrollably. Like the game has surprised us in a number of ways based on the way the narrative is going. And it really makes you feel like the choices that you're making are important, but it doesn't seem at least thus far to penalize us for making any particular choices. Like it would made it very clear if there was a time-based thing, like, hey, you might want to go do that, but it doesn't, doesn't force you to. Obviously I'm being very vague because I don't <laughs> want to spoil any of the story, but I will give you a, the brief description from Board Game Geek so you have a little bit of an idea of the theme. Long ago, a splendid streak of crimson fell from the sky and carved the valley from the earth. The foliage that the light touched grew wild and fierce and the wildlife grew larger and more fearsome. Life prospered in the vale. So basically, there are all these meteors that fall to earth and the material that these meteors is made of changes the landscape. And it is a key component in the story. It's called materia in the game. The game is cooperative. So everybody is always working together, but some players will have more information than others and will have access to certain abilities. All of the players are unique in their abilities and what they can do, what their actions are. And the game has a system similar to games like Seventh Continent, where you have a repository of cards that you're drawing from in a box and then adding to specific decks that you might have to draw from later. There are stickers for both the cards, the character sheets. Like you actually, if your character gets injured, you put a sticker onto your character on your character sheet to show that injury. Like my partner's character has a horn and he got injured. And so now he had to put a sticker over his horn. Like his horn is damaged. Like oh. it's very, very cool. And I, I cannot say enough good things. I'm not sure if this one is widely available yet. It's just been shipping out from the Kickstarter. Oh, it looks like you can order it directly on Renegade's website. It is not a cheap game. It's also not a small game. So <laughs> obviously, you know, the value is different to every person. But if you like narrative adventures, this honestly is probably one of the best I've ever encountered thus far. So wow. Artisans of Splendid Vale, it is gorgeous in so many ways. And I cannot recommend it more. <laughs> 
I want to try it, but like I don't have the time for like yeah <laughs> a campaign-ish game. Really, yes. That uh, honestly, I am. I feel very lucky to have a partner who also enjoys these types of experiences that I can play with, and mm-hmm. we'll actually talk a little bit more about that in the thematic segment coming up. As I alluded to before the break, we are going to talk a little bit about, I'm going to kind of use this as a jumping off point for our conversation. My partner and I are currently long distance. We get to see each other occasionally, but not all the time. And when he came to visit most recently, we played through a whole bunch of Artisans and both fell in love with the game. And I, he's not going to be able to visit again for a while. And I was like, I don't want to wait to play more. So what we did is we split up, like he took his character's book and all of his character's cards and weapons and abilities and things like that with him. And I kept the board, the like the the book, the storybook with the pages in it, my character's components. And he took some of the dice. I kept a bunch of them. And we actually have played it remotely now where I set up my iPad to face the board where the action scenes take place. Mm-hmm. And we just get on Discord and video chat with one another and read the story from our individual books and there will be times where it's going to get a little bit fiddly because with the stickers and things like that obviously I have all of the stickers here with me with the box Mm. Um, so if he has to add something to like his character sheet or character cards we're going to have to use sticky notes temporarily on his side but it kind of opened my eyes a little bit like I know of people who have played board games remotely but I've never played a board game of this size remotely before and it worked surprisingly well and it got me thinking because Ambie, you and I have played some games remotely in the past too. Yeah, and we're talking about like not digitally, but physical board games remotely. <laughs> yeah, because we've done, we've streamed some because sometimes we want to stream and then we want to use a physical game. Cooperative games work really well for this because a lot of times cooperative games have no hidden information. Well, get any games with no hidden information <laughs> work well. But we've done uh, Flashpoint and Horrified, I think. Yeah, and, and we played those, Mall Madness uh, remotely as Mall well. Mall Madness, yeah. I think with those, we like we only needed one copy of the game. And so like one person could have it with the camera and the other person could look at it and be like, oh, I want to move my person here. I want to do this on my turn. Yeah, and Mall Madness is not cooperative. And speaking of not cooperative, you also we also played Tussie Mussy, which has hidden information. Right? It does have hidden information. <laughs> and I don't actually remember how. how I, did <laughs> so I believe, so what happened when we played Tussie Mussy, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it is a button shy card game designed by Elizabeth Hargrave, where you are offering flowers to one another in the Victorian tradition and flowers have different meanings mm-hmm. and it's a game where you're offering a one face up and one face down card oh, yeah you and the, showed me the card yeah right? so I literally would close my or I would just show <laughs> yeah. you yeah and then on, like on when the you wanted to sh- like you would tell I'd me like, oh, I would like on your, your left yeah hand like, <laughs> <laughs> you I would like close my eyes if I had to show you something that I couldn't see yeah. or whatever else and we, we did letter jam too so like did. these work better two player like it would be a lot harder with more people yes. remotely because especially like letter jam or something. Oh <laughs> but, my gosh, I, I yeah I can't even imagine how that well, would I work. Guess, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I don't know because like with letter jam we did it where you had all of the components and I didn't have any letter. If if everyone had a copy of letter jam, they might be able to do it remotely because they would have their own thing and maybe. I think the distribution <laughs> but, of letters might get weird because yeah, if yeah. everybody was yeah. I know there is like, you can do it with an app to like choose the letters, but I don't know if everyone could somehow do that at the same time. (laughs) But yeah, 
yeah, it's a lot easier with just one other person with you so you can like show them and then other people don't have to worry about closing their eyes or whatever. <laughs> We've had a lot of discussions since the beginning of the pandemic about ways to play games that are non-traditional ways to play board games, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of people have been staying home or going out less. And for me, I've made a lot of friends in board games that don't live near me. So even even if there wasn't still an ongoing <laughs> pandemic, there are people who I want to play board games with Mm. who aren't physically able to meet up with me on a regular basis, like Ambi. We do enjoy playing games together and we don't get to that often. So I think this is kind of just kind of, it's it's continuing to open my eyes on the ways in which while I do love sitting around a table with a group of people having that shared experience in the same space, I also do just love games. Like it's not Mm. just about the, you know, the physicality of it for me. And so it's neat to have options and I don't know if I would have imagined that something like Artisans of Splendent Vale would, would even be able to be played remotely, but we're making it work. And I imagine there are a lot of other games that would work similarly, where either both people would have to have a copy of the game or you might have to split components up for some mm-hmm. games or just have one person controlling everything. But I would say if you're out there and you have like friends or family who enjoy gaming as much as you do, who don't live near you, like especially if you live somewhere that's a little more remote, you can't get to a friendly local game store that often, I would actually consider looking into this. Look, look at the games in your collection and see yeah. which ones might work. Because you might be surprised at how easy it is to actually do this. Yeah. And I I just remembered, like, I played Imperial Settlers remotely on Twitch with uh, Eclectic Camel, David. And we both had a copy. (laughs) You kind of both need a copy for that since it's a card game. And you're, like, building out your own tableau of cards, your own, like, big settlement. And there's a shared common deck. So I, like, flipped the cards and then he would find the card in his deck that matched it. Because with that, you have them face up and then you draft them. Each player takes some. So you have your own, like, individual deck of cards that is secret. Those don't get shared with other people. But then the common deck is, like face up and people take them so that worked out really well remotely as well and another game that i know is played a lot remotely by at least one person one rodney smith um (laughs) is a cuba libre Uh, it's a coin game so that has no hidden information and he's he's gotten like super into coin games and he has like a bunch of them set up playing remotely async with other people Uh, i think with that it's, it's a lot easier when multiple people have the game because they can just have it set up and look at it themselves and then they like tell people what their move is and then like look at it. So if multiple people will have a copy of the game, it opens up a lot more options than if only one person has a copy of the game. Yeah. And just as a reminder, coin games stand for counterinsurgency, oh, yes. C-O-I-N. Mm-hmm. So they're generally set in a time of war mm-hmm. historically. And yeah, to your point, well before the internet was a thing that we could, you know, podcast through and do a lot of other things on, there were people who were playing chess and other, you know, older war games by mail, even. Yeah, oh, people played 18xx games by, by mail, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> a little bit, because, like, we, we live in the age of the internet, so it's hard yeah. to imagine not 
things happening snappy. But like, I also would be like, yeah, no, if I had a friend that lived across the country and we both liked to play chess, how exciting would that be the day that the, the, the letter arrives in the mail and you get to go move their piece and think about what you want to do and then, you know, scribble down your move and throw it in an envelope and hand it to the mailman. And like, that honestly feels like really wholesome and wonderful. Yeah. Also, I do not want to play chess by mail. <laughs> like, Me no, it sounds lovely in the past. <laughs> and if I liked chess. Yeah, I'm, I will admit, I was in, when I was in middle school, I was in an after school group called Strategizers, and it was entirely based on abstract strategy games. Oh, mm-hmm. And we would go compete at other middle schools. And like, it was funny because I think there were eight different strategy games that were part of the lineup. And to be eligible for like the big prize at the end of the event, you had to have played each game at least once. You could play certain games multiple times, Mm -hmm. but most of the games were really fast. Things like Nine Men's Morris, like that Mm -hmm. doesn't take very long to play. Chess often took the longest. And so it was always like, oh, I have to go play chess. (laughs) It was the one that everybody dreaded, but there were like a handful of kids who like focused on the chess thing Mm -hmm. and they would like get really good at that. But I always was like, Play chess once and then I'm done with it. (laughs) (laughs) Although I I have been playing story time chess with my kids. Ah. Well, so far we've only gotten to the king part. But it does a little story for each piece. So like the king, King Shaky, doesn't walk very far because he eats a lot of pizza and like can't move (laughs) fast. (laughs) And then he wants to like go, he drops all his pizza and then he has to move one step and pick up a pizza and eat it and then move another step and pick up another pizza and eat it. And like... (laughs) <laughs> so he has a little mini game with the king and then you put the pizza pieces out and then so you move one space and get the pizza so it's, it's like really cute <laughs> if i remember correctly our friend uh raf cordero of the former ding and dent podcast mm-hmm. actually taught i believe his youngest or his oldest to play chess via that for the story, yeah, story time, time chess, chess. I th- yeah i think that might have been where i first heard about it <laughs> and then I, like a, a bunch of people were saying It was good. And then I got it at the Barnes and Noble sale. (laughs) Nice. Well, I just wanted to, yeah, like share with our our listeners this new thing that I've kind of been Mm -hmm. doing that I think is really neat and just hopefully inspire some of you. Obviously, you know, it's winter here in America, at least. It's cold. Nobody wants to go outside. The weather's (laughs) bad. There's still a lot of illnesses flowing around. So if you are really itching to play a board game and you can't get anybody to come over, take a look at your shelf and uh, see, maybe you can hop on a video chat with a friend and play Mm -hmm. something remotely. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for more content and links. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Stay tuned for more info about Prophets of Doom, an exciting new game where you are the founder of a doomsday cult as the apocalypse approaches. New for 2023, Gray Fox is offering an exciting offer for Blitzketeers. Get 10% off your entire order, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades that aren't available anywhere else by using the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout on grayfoxgames.com. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for community game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on Spotify or iTunes. And make sure to check out our brand new Ko-fi page where you can support our work for as little as $2 a month and get access to fun new rewards including a private Discord channel, behind-the-scenes info, personalized shoutouts, and more. Just visit ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Until next time... 
But I would play 500 games and I would play 500 more Just to be the gal who played a thousand games and still wants to play more Bye everyone! Bye bye bye! story for each person and like explain or for each move figure what, what are they called peace <laughs> <laughs> okay that's a blooper um <laughs> okay, okay that's a blooper <laughs> all right but i would walk 500 miles and i would walk 500 more just to be the man who walked a thousand oh that's the wrong one <laughs> It's too okay. Until, I was like, "You're doing great." Those aren't the words, but you're doing great. Okay. Um. <laughs>